Come on. Right here. That's for you, honey, right there. Here's the deal. Uh, I want you to know that I know most of you, I was listening, most of you don't care about the Super Bowl, but by the time you leave today, I promise you, you're going to have a good time. You're going to learn some stuff. You might laugh a little bit, but the main reason that I am glad you're here is this message should wrap up the regret series. Brian, go, give it up for Brian taking care of me last week. Come on, be real. He said it was the last one, but actually we're going to do one more because I could not leave. Once I kind of did some research and put all this together, I had to go back to regrets one more time. But by the time you leave, this message applies to all of us. No matter what team you're on, we're going to have a good time with it. But give it up for life groups in the lobby, man. Come on, man. Give it a little love for life groups. Amber taking care of us. All kinds of fun stuff out there, man. They had chicken wings out there, throwing the footballs, inflatables. But the main thing you need to remember, all that fun is out there just to point you towards life groups. You cannot do life alone. You will understand that clearly by the end of today's message. But I want to just thank Amber and her leadership and her team for making it all happen. So one more time, give them a little love for all the life group loves. We kick it off today, all right? So as we wrap up the regret series, if you're just now getting here, it's all about no regrets. We've been having a little fun with it. I could not help but play one more regrets video for you, but it is related to what all of us love in the Super Bowl, and that is commercials. Can I get an amen on that somewhere? So you might not care about either team, but you tune into the commercials and you have a little fun with it. Well, this is a classic one, all right? It goes all the way back, and it connects us back to regrets. Watch. Sorry. Sorry. Red Gertz. Sorry, I was eating a Milky Way. All right, there you go. Anybody want some Milky Way today? Come on, y'all. I gotta have some love out there. Close your eyes if you don't want to get hit in the eyes with that on this side. Anybody want some Milky Ways over here? I see y'all over here. Very few. Thanks for right there. I bet that right there. So we're having a little fun. Milky Way is one, but. This is a specific commercial because we're in the Super Bowl for my Chiefs fans. Where y'all at? All right, this is for you. One more commercial. Watch. Hey, that's great. Who are the chefs? Not going anywhere for a while? You're a googly moogly. Grab a Snickers. You spell it. Yeah. Come on, y'all chef fans out there. Anybody want a Snickers? Come on, Snickers right there. Make sure all the Snickers go out there. So here's the whole deal. We're going to have some fun, but the reason I pulled those commercials specifically today is because everyone in this room we have all made mistakes before, whether that's, you know, putting the wrong word on a tattoo or painting the wrong thing on the field. More importantly, I'm going to reveal to you eight categories today of regret that I bet if you pay attention and you really kind of lean in, you'll go, yeah, I have an area that I can regret something in one of these categories. Number one is the area of education. Some of you regret not going to school or not finishing your degree. Others say, I wish I wouldn't have gone to that school. Alabama fans, y'all know that right there. <laughs> but the whole point is, that is what many people regret is their lack of education or their pursuit of education or wish they'd have got a degree or so forth and so on. That's just one. Number two is the area of money. Some people regret the fact that they got into debt, that they, they charged too much or they bought too big of a house or their car note or it may be, or that they didn't save enough money. That's something common for all of us. I think everybody can relate to one degree or another, whether it was when you were younger or now in your older age, you're going, yep, I get it. Number three, career is another regret. How many hate their job? Go ahead, let me hear you, come on. Your bosses are in here, so don't do that again. I'm just kidding. You all know if you talk to anybody in the real world, there are days that you go, I cannot believe I chose this job. I really wish I had a different career path. I can't believe that I spent this much of my life doing this one thing. It's pretty common when people look back at their life and go, man, that's a regret. Now, what may shock you is the video I'm about to show you because we look up to athletes and musicians and actors in our culture. You may not personally, but people in our culture are like, man, if I had their money or their fame, man, that would be it. But this may surprise you because here is just a little clip, a little insight into some of the most famous people in our current culture 
and the regrets they have when it came to career. Watch. Why am I unhappy? Okay. Okay, Stephanie Gaga hybrid person. Why are you unhappy? Why is it that you want to quit music? I don't like uh, wasting my time spending days just shaking people's hands and smiling, taking selfies. It feels shallow to my existence. I have a lot more to offer than my image. I don't like being used to make people money. I uh, feel s sad when uh, I'm overworked and that I just become a money-making machine and that my passion and my creativity take a back seat. That makes me unhappy. I thought it would be good to be rich and famous. It would be good to be the opposite of this. It would be good to have stuff. It would be good to have money. It would be good to be invited to the party. Well, I've been invited. I've been in. We're having this chat in a private Swish members club in East London. It's super cool. There's bare brick walls. Everyone's double good looking. But I've been inside now. I've seen the other side of the looking glass. It ain't worth it it's not good don't feed your soul i still feel empty inside i had everything a man could want even then i had i was a millionaire i had a beautiful beautiful women in my life i had um cars a house an incredible uh, a solid gold career and, and a future and yet on a daily basis i wanted to commit suicide now what's shocking to me you may not know everybody on there if you're younger or older. You know, you go from Gaga to Clapton to Russell Brand. You're sitting here going, who are these people and what have they accomplished? Well, they, as you've just heard, accomplished a lot when it comes to financial gain. A whole lot when it comes to fame, just in general. Because, I mean, Eric Clapton, one of the greatest guitar players ever. But would you have ever thought in his mind that he would be contemplating suicide? When he has everything, quote, that he wants. So even in his career... It sounds like there's some regret of even taking that path. And you're like, man, that's weird. The reason I'm showing you these is we go through. There's only a few that I've just gone through. We've got a few more to go through. But these categories, they affect all of us. All of us have been affected with regret in one of these categories or all of these categories. Another category would be risk. You regret the fact that many times you did not risk enough or you missed an opportunity. Man, if I had only invested this. My dad, one of his favorite ones, this is my dad. He's probably watching today. They live in Orange Beach now, but he used to always joke about my, his father never took them on vacations. They never had an opportunity to go anywhere. And he always says this because he's 83 now. And he would always go back and say, man, if my father had just bought a little land down here in Florida, we'd be millionaires right now. I missed this opportunity. And I'm like, yep, dad, you're right. If he'd have had the money and everything would work right, then yeah, you could have sold it and you know, so on and so on. But he regrets the fact that he didn't grab a hold of that opportunity. He's like, man, we should have risked a little bit more. We should have went for it. We should have done this. I get it. But here's one. If you don't relate to any of these others, maybe this one will get you. And this are, you regret your words. The should have said or the I wish I would not have said. When it comes to relationships, friends, work, family, we've all probably have a story. I know I do. I go, man, I probably shouldn't have done it that way. I probably shouldn't have said it that way. But this is the shocking part. In the research, I found this regret clip from a guy by the name of Howard Stern. I don't care if you like him or you don't like him. I want you to listen to the bigger picture of what Howard is saying. Because what he refers to is one of his greatest regrets, and that's why I grabbed the clip. But it was based on his words, some that he said and some that he wished he had said. Watch. You say that one of your biggest regrets is Robin Williams. Yeah, well, there's a lot of regrets. I wanted to call him and say, listen, I'm a huge fan of yours. And when you came in my studio, I was insane. I was not in the right mind to do an interview with you. You came in so open and ready to perform. And that should have been celebrated. And Oddly enough, I, I said to my wife that morning, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get on this. And then uh, I believe it was either that day or the next day or whatever, but he killed himself. And I never got the chance to apologize. And I feel, I just wish I could have, you know. The reason it struck me is because I think about all of us in this room. I think about relationships, friendships, and like for Howard, he's sitting there being very, you know, transparent. And say, man, I was worried about me. I was performing my show, and he overran the guest. And it's Robin Williams. I mean, phenomenal talent, but disregarded everything to do with him and overpowered him. And then when he found out the next day he had taken his life, 
the regret of the way he treated him, of the things he said, of the things that he wished he would have made the call because after the interview, he knew he should have, but he didn't. And I'm thinking, man, I get it. Another category, parenting. Anybody got a spoiled kid out there? You're like, you look back and you go, man, I hear a kid laughing. He's like, yeah, that's me, man, you know. Because we all, as parents, are going, man, I shouldn't have spoiled them or I wish I could have done more. There's all kind of regrets. You're working through that. But I found the perfect gift. This is for me and my brother. Are you ready? Dear mom, thanks for putting up with a spoiled, ungrateful, bratty child like my brother. Amen. Your favorite, Mark. <laughs> We all know that, right? You have, if, if pointing the finger, we all have a little fun with it, but it's the culture we're in. So sometimes you regret that. Sometimes you're regretful of just the family you're in. Like, oh God, I wish I wouldn't have been born in this family. Whatever it may be, you get it. Here's another big one, faith. You go, what do you mean? Well, not sharing your faith or not developing your faith, not knowing enough. In my personal life group, that's one thing we're working on is just some of the basics, answering some general questions because we don't know enough. And so we'll research one area or we'll talk about one specific area because we have an opportunity to change some of that because many regret that they're as old as they are now and didn't explore those areas. Well, maybe you might be in the same category. It's another great reason you're here today is because life groups can help solve that particular regret pretty easily. But many of us may have a faith regret of some kind. But probably the biggest one that all of us can relate to is relationships. That when we look at a category, this is the one that we've either hurt friends or we've hurt our wife, our spouse, our husband, our kids. And we kind of look back and go, man, I don't know if I did that well. I don't know if I could have done something differently. And we regret the way we've treated them. We regret decisions we've made when it comes to relationships. And in some cases, we regret even divorcing those people. Because when we look back, we're like, I don't know, man, maybe I should have done that differently. Now, to prove my point, this is a heavy issue, and I get it, but I'm going to go back to the celebrity side. And I'm going to go to a big, not football celebrity, but a basketball celebrity. And in this little interview, listen close, because this guy had a lot, a lot, a lot of money, a lot of success, but listen to one of his greatest regrets. Shaq, take it away. I never talked about this, and I'm glad you guys are asking because I don't mind talking about that. But I was bad. Uh, she was, she was, she was awesome. She really was. It, it was all me. I was just look. We don't need to talk about what I was doing, but I wasn't, I wasn't protecting her and protecting those vows. So you know, sometimes when you live that double life, you get caught up in. So I'm, I'm not gonna say it was her. It was all me because she was. Look, she did exactly what she was supposed to do. Gave me beautiful kids, take care of the house, take care of corporate stuff. It, it, it was just all me. Sometimes when you make a lot of mistakes like that, you know, you can't really come back from that. But as I get older and, and dwell on situations, I can honestly say it was all me. Are there things from that time you would change? And do you believe if you changed them, you'd still like to, to be married or you still like to be in that position where you could be with your kids and like Channing said, could control those type of things. The best feeling for me was coming home and hearing five, six different voices. Don't matter if I missed 15 free throws and we lost, they don't care about that. Dog man's home, like I used to play something called dog man. As soon as I come in, I, I turn into a wild dog and I chase him and bite him. <laughs> uh, I just used to like get him and or act like I'm biting him. And, <laughs> dog man. Yeah, and, and, and they used to love that. And look, I was just being greedy. I had the perfect situation. Wife was finer than a mug. Mm -hmm. Kept giving me babies, still finer than a mug. I had it all, just sometimes you, and I don't make excuses. I know I messed up. And then, you know, when I didn't have that, I don't like to use the D word because I don't really know what it is, but I was lost. 76,000 square foot house by yourself, lost. Regret. Had it all, right? But then looks back and go, man, should I have done something differently? So here's what I was working through, trying to wrap up this series. The three things to remember when it comes to the area of regret. Brian did a great job last week. Please go back and watch it if you missed it. I think we've had a fun time with the series. There's been a lot of information, but this is the one you need to grab a hold of and walk out of here with today. Because I started with, and I told you, there's eight categories, but everybody in here has something coming to their mind when it comes to regret. Relationships, money, career, you can go through it all. Well, the one thing that I know for sure is that 
regrets are inevitable. That means everybody in here, it's going to happen. We all have them. It's the way that it is. Even the Bible reminds us of our shortcomings. Romans 3.23 says, right, for all of us, every one of us have sinned and fall short. Yes, of God's glorious standard, but when we fall short of God's standard, that means we hurt other people. That means that in our sin, we have a tendency as humans to sometimes go in excess. As Shaq said, he was so greedy that that greed hurt his wife and his kids. As Howard Stern said, he was so greedy and so self-absorbed that he ignored the value of another human and even didn't try to pull anything out. He just ran over him and then his selfishness hurt someone else. You could go through a long list, but here's the deal. All of us, you're going to mess up. And if you think you hadn't messed up, there's your sin right there. Because every one of us falls short. You're going to. So here's my advice. You ready for this? Quit beating yourself up. And you go, well, why do you, what do you mean, Justin? Well, been in ministry for over 30 years now. A lot of people come in and they're working through issues and they're working through regrets and they're just living in the past and they keep beating themselves up. And by the end of the, today's message, I hope that you will begin to transition from, man, I just wish I wouldn't have and I can't believe this happened and I went through this. I should have made, we all get it. They're inevitable. Everybody has them. But I want to remind you of the second thing, and this is more important. Regrets are also forgivable. It's like when you're sitting there and you're beating yourself up over financial decisions, relationship decisions, divorce decisions. It could go on so many different areas, as we've already discussed. Kid to see, oh my gosh, I can't believe this. They're forgivable. And today is an opportunity to start over. Every day. But particularly today, you're here, you're watching online, you're in the room. It's not coincidence you're here. You have something that's playing in your mind. There's some regret that you're working through or thinking like, I probably shouldn't have done. It's forgivable. And how is it forgivable? I love Psalm 32, 5. Are you ready for this? Finally, I confessed all my sins. This is part of the problem. The reason it keeps hanging on you is because you don't want to admit you've made a mistake. There's something called pride, even as Shaq referred to again. I mean, oh, yeah, I know. No, even Howard Stern said, man, I messed that up. And here we are as Christians. You won't admit you've made a mistake. You won't admit that you could have done something differently, that you hurt someone's feelings or that you treated them poorly or that you made a bad decision when it came to your finances or your career. So you, no, I'm, I'm good. I mean, it's all good. You know, that I got no regrets. Okay. All of us have sinned. And when we confess our sins to you, you stop trying to hide them because here's the deal. That's the other deal. We've got to push them under the rug. Don't want to talk about it. Don't want to have to deal with it. When you finally confess it, when you finally stop trying to hide them, you forgave me of, what's that word right there? All. And this is the one that all of you are still working with. Brian, we talk about all this, but look, here's where you're hanging out is that guilt word. Is this idea of man, it just goes, oh my gosh, well, this is the thing. When you confess them to God and you, yes, even confess them to someone else, man, there's forgiveness. And regrets are inevitable. It's going to happen, but they're also forgivable. So don't just keep dragging these things around. That's why I appreciated what Brian was talking about last week. We all have them, but what do we do with them when we got them? Well, here's the thing. I want you to know that you can be forgiven for them. And that we have a responsibility, a challenge, an opportunity to forgive others who've messed up. So if you're trying to figure out where you're going from here, here's a good advice. Start with forgiveness. Ask for it. Yes to God and yes to other people. Now let me prove the God point. Psalm 103, 12. As far as the east is from the west, you have removed my sins from me. You know how we carry them around? You keep just, as Brian said, you got this baggage you keep dragging. God says, man, I have removed your sins as far as the east is from the west. So you keep dragging this stuff around and bringing this stuff up. When he's going, man, I have forgiven you. It's done. So you need a scripture reference of why you need to allow God to forgive you and receive his forgiveness because he removed your sins. They're gone. Now in the church, here's the problem. Now I grew up in the church. So everybody that grew up in the church, you'll get this next one. We love to condemn people for their sin. Back in the day, you got a divorce back in the 80s in a Baptist church. 
You might as well have had the D letter on you like adultery back in the day. You might as well put D, D, divorce. She's divorced. She's divorced. Now, how do I know that? My parents got divorced. My dad was a deacon. My mom was a Sunday school teacher. And there was this weird tension started happening. I thought they had a good relationship. Oh, my God. I can't believe it. And then there came in this word, they would either judge you, talk about you, or condemn you. And then here's the irony. Romans 8.1, are you ready for this? There's no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. You know what that is really saying? It's because Christ doesn't condemn you for your sin. Because of Christ, you have freedom from your sin. He has removed your sin as far as the east is from the west. The truth was, as they were navigating the complexities of a broken relationship, it's messy. There are regrets everywhere. My mom had them. My dad had them. I can relate. I think you can relate. We've, none of us have gotten this right. We all sin. We all fall short. But in the process of trying to figure all that out, don't hide your sin. Don't just sweep it under the rug. It ain't no big deal. I'm good. Everything's good. Everything's good. No, it's like, no, it's not. I'm really made some mistakes here, and I'm asking you to forgive me. And God, I'm asking you to forgive me because I know that in Jesus there is no condemnation. Although the world may struggle, the church may struggle, with it, I know in your eyes, Jesus, you do not turn your back on me. And then as the scripture continues, here's one in Philippians where it goes, hey, what's the key as you're moving on? And this is a powerful one. I'm still not all that I should be, but I'm focusing all, why does he keep saying that? I'm focusing all my energies on this one thing, I'm forgetting the past and I'm looking forward to what lies ahead. It's like, man, I have got to move on. I've got to say, God, I know I have sinned. I know I have messed up. I am asking for your forgiveness. I'm asking for the people that I've offended or that I have hurt. And now I am asking you, Jesus, to give me the strength and the power to move forward, to not be living looking in the rearview mirror. You've heard the illustration, if you've ever grown up in church, it's like, well, the rearview mirror is very small. Quit looking at that and look out the windshield so you can see more of life. As silly as that illustration is, it is still very true. You try to drive backwards looking at that rearview mirror, eventually you're going to run into something. The truth is, is keep your head forward and go, all right, Jesus, I don't have a lot figured out. I might not be the smartest guy, but your scripture is true and it applies to me. And I don't want to keep dragging all this stuff around. And I don't want to live in condemnation. I want to be able to be free. And I want to be able to know, God, that you have something good in store for me. And it's coming. Help me to see that. And I'm going to go back to another dark time in my early life. Not my childhood, but my young adult life. Angie had been married before. She was divorced. I met her, fell in love with her, wanted to marry her. I was in the Baptist church at the time. At the Baptist church, which I grew up, I got a, love, a lot of love, a lot of respect. But also, denominations in general sometimes can really mess some stuff up. Just like the simple church can. Because we're human, we just don't get it right all the time. But when we came to the church to say, hey man, I'm ready to marry Angie. This is my girl. Because of her divorce, we actually had... People in the church condemn us for that decision. I had a person that we went to for some counseling look at me and say, I'm telling you right now, I would never marry someone that was divorced. You're ruining your career, Justin. I would not do that. Not with me privately, with her sitting there. So how do you think she felt? I could feel her sinking in the chair. Now remember, for you guys that don't know our story, Angie didn't grow up in the church. She didn't get saved till she was late in her 20s. She was excited about following Jesus, excited about new opportunities, about forgiveness, about grace, about the future, about the, now for anyone in Christ, there is no condemnation. And the first interaction she has when she's excited and nervous about marrying a minister, although she didn't know what kind of minister I was, jacked up, she was still trying to figure it out. And she was like, oh, you know, everybody looked at me. Oh, he's just in the church and he's such a good guy. And then all of a sudden she felt lower and lower and lower. And everybody, I just can't believe you're marrying Justin. That's crazy. Oh, my God. And then she'd be like, maybe I'm not worthy. Trust me, honey, you're worthy. But I say all that because I felt that tension. I felt all that weird ugliness. And I felt how the enemy kept just trying to knock her down and beat her up. And then it affected us. And then it affected me and my view towards the church. 
And I was like, man, what is wrong with you? How in the world could you, how could you be so ugly? How could you condemn? How could you be so just, this is not Christ-like. But yeah, here we were. And so in the midst of all of that, this is the third thing that regrets do, and this certainly applies to that situation. Regrets are also directional. I regret going to that guy for counseling, for premarital counseling. I just regret that decision, and I made that choice. I was like, hey, Angie, let's go. We're going to get some premarital counseling. But the first time we sit down, it's like, I'd never marry her. I can't believe you're in here, you stupid idiot, you know. I'm like, this can't be happening, you know. Like, this is not really happening. And it happened. But here's the good news. It provided direction for us. Why is the simple church the way it is? Why do we try to, again, separate from denominations? Not because we don't appreciate them and understand the things that they gave us, but we also don't want to be associated with some bad mistakes denominations have made. In every denomination, every group of people, you already know this, whether it's the Catholic church, the Baptist church, the Methodist church, you can all fill us in because we're human. We're all going to make those mistakes. But when I had a chance to start from the fresh, I was like, hey, you know what we're going to do is we're not going to be condemning to people. I am going to try to be like Christ when we go in. That's, that's why people say, well, do you marry just anybody and everybody? Mm-hmm. Even people being divorced? Yeah. Boy, I don't know about you. I'm like, yeah, well, the truth is, is if I can have any chance to influence you in any kind of relationship, I want to grab that opportunity. And if I can point you to Jesus in that interaction, then man, I'm hoping and praying that when you see Jesus and you understand how much he loves you and how much he cares for you and the plan that he has for you, that you can begin to understand that you have a great future. And sometimes when it seems like it's going to knock you off course and something's trying to harm you and something's trying to mess you up, sometimes God uses those things and those regrets to actually put you going in the right direction. I'll read you one more, Romans 8. This is a good one. We know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. I wouldn't think about sharing this in the first service, but it hits me now because I saw my friend that this applies to walking in today. He knows who I'm talking to. Y'all won't know who he is, but we know. I got a call from him. He goes, hey, man, I need your help. And I was like, what's that? He's like, man, I got a friend that's, I believe, suicidal. And I was like, do what? He goes, man, and we're supposed to eat lunch today, and I don't really know what I'm supposed to do, so can you help me? Give me some wisdom. And I'm like, well, let's walk through some things. And we had a conversation for a while, and then we prayed together. And the reason this individual was burdened by that is because one of his own family members had committed suicide as well, and there were some regrets associated with that. And because of our friendship, I love him. I'm thankful for him in his life. And I'm thankful for his transparency because in the context of our friendship and be transparent in our life group, he said, man, these are my regrets. I, I wish I'd have done this better. I wish I'd have done that better. And what I told him now, and I remind him now as he's in this room, because I didn't have this the first hour. It hit me now. Is this scripture for you, bro? It's because in the midst of the directional idea of what regrets do for you you just helped lead one of your friends away from that suicide you can't go back and change what happened to your loved one but you did not hide you did not blame you did not throw everything away you said man i've got to move forward regrets are forgivable they're inevitable, but I'm going to tell you what, also, they are directional. I can not only change the direction of my life because you're in a life group. You're calling a pastor to get advice on what to do with someone else, where before, that wasn't even on the page. And I start looking at the scripture. We know that God causes all of these things to work together for good. He doesn't cause all those things to happen. He's saying the good that happens out of it. When the enemy tries to destroy and the enemy tries to knock you down, when the enemy tries to knock you off course, God says, no, I'm going to find a way to pull good out of that, even when it doesn't make sense. Because in that moment, I can put you going in the right direction. I can use it for good. And I'm proud of you. I want you to know as you're in this room, I'm proud of you. And he's not the only one. There's many of you. That you had a choice. You could go and stay in the dark place. You could go into the, God has done with me. He can never use me. I can't believe this 
because you got regrets. Or you could say, no, I'm going to find some way to do the right thing. And while I'm talking about that, I have to talk about Brittany, my girl. So proud of you for sharing your story. So proud of regrets that were in the past. But yet here you are going, hey, no, listen, there's going to be good that's going to come out of it. And what she do? She starts a life group for people that have had an abortion. Why? Why would you try to? It'd be easier just to hide. It'd be easier just to run away from it. No, but look, regrets are everywhere. We all have them. They're inevitable, but they're also forgivable. And they're also directional because now you have an opportunity to do something good out of it. You have an opportunity to save someone's life. You have an opportunity to literally remind them they are called by God, that there's a purpose for them, that God loves them. And maybe through that hurt, that's how they come to Christ. That's what changes the direction in their life. You need something to remember today? You need something to remember? I told you, we started out kind of light, right? Snickers commercial. Here's something to walk out on. God never wastes a hurt. So you're going through something right now, and it hurts. God's not going to waste that, but it'll be your choice. Will I use it? Will I allow God to speak to me? Will I get closer to him? And will I care about my relationships with others? Because remember, the two most important things Jesus said, you remember? All prophets, all the scripture could be really condensed into two things. Love God and love people. So it comes down to, God, I need your forgiveness. God, I need your help. And then once we were working on this, he says, hey, I'm not giving you a pass on this horizontal part. Because you're going to still live with people. You still have relationships with kids and friends and spouses and co-workers and strangers. So if you love me, then you have to be working on the relationship. Well, I ain't never going to. No, no, no. You don't get the pass on not loving the people. It's loving God and loving people. And sometimes in that sorrow and sometimes in that brokenness and sometimes in that hurt, God uses it to get you going in the right direction. And many times it's with the hurt with other people that provide the direction in your life. It's the way God works. 2 Corinthians 7, you ready? God can use sorrow in our lives to help us turn away from sin and seek salvation. Why do we have to go through this? Because sometimes it finally, that's the thing that gets you going in the right direction. I got a friend right now, went to jail. And in the middle of his sorrow, it is actually turning him away from where he was to go, man, I need God in a fresh way. And everybody's like, well, that's just jail salvation. I'll take it. Because what's the other alternative? This is where everybody kind of gets real, the church gets real condemning, you know, condemning, you know, they condescending. They're just like, oh my God, no, listen, here's the deal. That sorrow turns you towards salvation. And we'll never regret that kind of sorrow. You talking about no regrets? Here's a scripture for you. Never regretting the fact that when you go through a broken time, it points you back to God. It gives you direction. They're inevitable. They're going to happen. They're forgivable. You know that you can get that forgiveness, but they are directional. And when you begin to go through that brokenness and it changes the way you live, and this is from my wife who went through a divorce, the pain and the hurt, she don't ever want to go there. When she went through the sin and the choices she made in her past, and this is her talking through all of this. When we were first getting together, I'm like, no, I get it. So then I'm going to put it back on me. The sins that I have committed in my life, I don't want to keep doing that. I don't like the fact that I hurt someone else. I don't like the fact that my greed or my selfishness would cause someone else pain. I don't want to keep doing that, so it's going to turn. That sorrow is going to turn me away from that. Look at the last part of the verse. But sorrow without repentance still results in death. And what does this mean? Look, you can be sorry, but sorrow that turns to you changing is what we're looking for. It's not just like, well, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, but nothing ever happens. It's like, no, I'm sorry, and I'm not going to keep doing that. Now, you may mess up, sure. It's not going to be perfect. Nobody is. But the goal and the, the heart of the Scripture is like, man, when you get to that place, it just, and I want to be different. And guess what today is? Today is a chance for you to change your direction. It's a chance for you to evaluate where you are, where you're headed, and then eliminate the excuses. That's one of the other messages in this series. Hey, man, no more excuses. This is where I'm going to go. I'm not going to let the enemy destroy me. I'm not going to let them keep talking bad about me. I know I am free in Christ. There is no condemnation in Christ. There are good plans for me. I can do something. I am not a you know, slave to my sin. I can ask for forgiveness. I'm not going to hide from it, but I'm turning around. I'm going in a different direction. And then while I'm doing that, it might actually change not just my life, but other people's lives. He's going to use it for good. 
And in the midst of all of that that's going on, some of us go, yeah, but I don't know, man. I mean, maybe I'll start tomorrow. You just getting a little bit lazy? Proverbs 22, 13. You ready for this? The lazy person is full of excuses. No more excuses. Well, if I go outside, I might meet a lion in the street and be killed. Can you believe that? Don't use that going to work tomorrow. If you're late, you're like, hey, man, I was so scared there's a lion out there. It might just get me. Kids, you can say the dog ate your homework, but a lion might eat you. That's even going next level. And you're going, why would Proverbs say this kind of stuff? Because they knew the value of humor. They also knew the value of going, that's extreme. This is stupid. It's silly. It's crazy. Why? Because he also knows us. We use some lame excuses. Let's eliminate the lame excuses. So for some of you, good example. Hey, man, you know, life group? I don't know. And you got some lying excuse. Let's eliminate the excuse. Why? Because when you are going through a difficult time, a challenging time, you've got to have other people in your life. You need spiritual growth? You're not going to do it alone. Remember, loving God and loving people, it involves people. It's not easy. I know. I get it. But here's the truth when it goes back to Scripture. He didn't say it's going to be easy. Look at Matthew 7. Enter through the narrow gate, for the wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction. Man, it's a lot easy to go down the wrong road. Everybody doing that. This is the whole premise of Jesus going, look, following me is not going to be easy. Trusting me is not going to be easy. Many go through that, but look at the last part. Are you ready? But small is the gate and narrow is the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. So some people say, well, how come there's not a lot of people in life groups? Here's one good example. Because everybody's like, I ain't got time for that. I've got other things going on, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, no, but then you wonder why sometimes it's so out of control and so why you're not growing, why things aren't getting better. Listen, life groups aren't the end-all, be-all, but I can tell you this. This is where I've grown. Is when I found that select small group of people to walk through some of the difficult times and challenging times. One of my best friends in this group, we got together because of a life group. And it was an addiction life group. And you want to talk about regrets being directional? Talked on the phone this week, and I'm just reminding, and we're walking through, man, when you're talking about addicted to alcohol and all you can do is drink, and then it's ruining your relationships, whether it be at work or whether it be at home. And then when your wife's like, I'm done, I'm not going to keep doing all this, I don't think I can do all this. And then you finally get into a group of people because a life group has started, and you finally took the leap to get there. And then all of a sudden, God begins to direct you. <laughs> and not everybody's going to do it. Some of your friends, they're still out there. Why is that road, man? But then all of a sudden, that small choice of my sorrow is going to lead to repentance. I, don't, I can't keep doing this. And the next thing you know, you begin to find yourself on a different path, living a whole different life. And it's worth it. It's worth it. And why do I say it's worth it? Because, man, every day I'm reminded just how short life is when I was in my 30s, I really wasn't worried about it. Thought I had forever. 53, I'm like, man, my elbow hurts, my arm hurts, and everybody 60 or over is going, shut up, dude. You don't even know. <laughs> Y'all know. But life is short. I'm going to prove it to you. Guy who sat on the front row every Sunday, his name is Dudley. Get back from New York, land. Christy Rose finds in the hall. I had found out while we were gone, Brian Reed's dad passes away. His dad dies last week. I get with Brian. We're talking about his dad dying. Christy comes down the hall and she says, hey, I need y'all to go see somebody in the hospital. Dudley sits on the front row every week. Just like many of you. You're in this house. You're here. Hey, man, I'm here. I said, what's going on with him? He said, I don't know. His, his wife says he's dying. We go to Willis Knighton North. And he's in his last moments. And tearfully, he says, man, you'll never know how much it meant to me. Thank you, man, for the church. Thank you for giving me a place. Thanks for helping my family. But then he's just honest, though. He's like, dude, I'm scared. I'm like, man, you know what? If you're going to die, you do not want to die alone. And I said, Dudley, that's why we're here, buddy. Because let me remind you of what God says about what your future looks like. And we reminded him of what Jesus says about the hope that is in heaven, about the healing part of heaven, about the everlasting life in heaven. Me and Brian, knowing his dad just died, Brian's standing there with him. We wrap our arms around that guy and we pray for him. We put his wife on the speakerphone. Everybody's crying, walking through all this. And all I can think in my mind, I already got my notes. I already know what I'm preaching on. I'm like, God, I did not need this illustration. 
But the reason I say it is, is it's Dudley this week. I'm not even finished with that. But then the next hours or so, driving down the road, one of my dear friends, Scott, from Scott's Audio, Scott Boswell, right there on Benton Road, man, I've known him forever. We had our babies together. Now, we didn't have babies together. <laughs> Same time, Angie was delivering, his wife was delivering. We were at Piermont back in the day. It's just we've always been connected. We know each other from a long time ago. He used to party with us back in the day. We've been friends for a long time. He partied with Angie back at the Capri, son. Y'all talking about old school? Where are my old school people at, all right? Shreveport, new Capri, son. Get on that rail. <laughs> All right, sorry, I had to go back. I'm back. And old Scott comes back and is like, hey, man, I need you. I'm like, what's going on? He goes, man, my mom's dying. And we don't know what we're going to do. Can you help us? Can you come up here? I'm like, man, I'm on my way. When this service is over, as soon as I say amen, peace, I'm walking out the door. I'm walking to my truck, getting in my truck, and I'm driving to Willis Knight in Piermont. And today we're going to unplug her life support. In just a few minutes. And you think you got forever. Oh man, it's all good. And you don't think it matters the relationship decisions and the decisions you're making about relationships. You don't think any of that matters. You're worried about all this other stuff. You just heard the celebrity say, man, it ain't worried about your money. It comes down to, man, are you loving God and are you loving people? And are you in a place where these people are around, you're doing life together, you're not running from it. They're helping you hold each other accountable. They're giving you direction that God's worth this. Or is it like, no, man, I'm good because here's what I'm telling you. And that's just scratching the surface. Psalm 39, 4, Lord, remind me how brief my time is here on earth. So what are you saving for? How much is enough? What are you going to do? But and then there's needs around. Ah, I don't know. I got my own thing. I got to do it. Remind me that my days are numbered and my life is fleeing away. It's the way we treat each other. It's the way that we take care of one another. It's the way that we honor God with what we have. It's all of these things, all in the midst of going, man, it's so fast. And so here's what hits me. You ready? No regrets? Absolutely. You cannot change the past, but what today is about is you determining and changing the future. See, it's not an accident you're here. It's not like, well, I just happened to run in today. I guess it's the life group day. It's like, no, man, you got an opportunity. You got an opportunity to start making choices. You got options. There's choices ahead. And when you make those decisions, you have opportunities to go, am I going to go the world's way or am I going to go God's way? Because when I look at my life, this is really what it comes down to. World's way or God's way? If you put it up on the screen, I want to make sure y'all see it. Do you see these two options? Because I'm going to tell you, when I made that decision right there, Every one of my regrets comes back to, I did it the world's way. Or, as another famous musician said, I did it my way. Regrets, I've had a few. It's all fun. It's all, oh, yeah, that's right. No, listen. It ain't about doing it your way. It ain't about doing it God's way. I mean, uh, the world's way. It really is about doing it the God's way. And Jesus just wants you to know that he loves you. He's not trying to control you. He's, not he's just trying to make me feel guilty. No, he's not. Let me prove it. John 3, 17, God did not send his son into the world to condemn it. Remember that, church. Remember that, Christians. When you're condemning this group and condemning that person, no, he came to save it. You think you're above God? You think you're going to condemn this group or that sin or that group of people? Man, you ain't God. And if God didn't condemn it, he came to save it, then maybe we ought to be in the same category. And if you're good, you like the path you're on, you got no regrets, just keep it up then, dog. You're all good. But if you're ready to change, today can be a Super Sunday, not because of some game. It's because you got a chance to get a do-over, a fresh start. Now in golf, I play a little bit of golf. We call it a mulligan. I wish I could use a mulligan on some of my life choices. Anybody get an amen on that? <laughs> Forgive me, Chiefs fans, but this is for you right here. Do you need another third down? Y'all know y'all got too many extra, by the way. Only the people who watch the game understand what I'm saying right there, all right? Do you need another chance? Well, I'm going to close with a couple of super stories, and then we're going to get out of here. Number one, Jalen Hurts. Not a big Eagles fan. I'm a Cowboys fan. It's hard for me to root for the Eagles, all right? 
although Boston Scott from Green Acres Middle School, what, what? So there's a couple of people who have some connections too, but let me tell you, this is what makes me like Jalen. God is always in control. Just never lose your faith. This was on his draft day. When, remember, Alabama benched him. He didn't know what was going on. It looked like it was dark. He wasn't sure he was even going to get drafted. Goes to Oklahoma. It's just kind of this wild little run he's on. But then he posts the scripture. John 13, 7. What does that say? Well, here it is. You do not realize now what I'm doing, but later you will. Later you're going to understand it. Just let God work his magic. Just let God do his thing. And here's the reminder I'll bring back to you. There were hurt involved in that. Hurt when you get benched. Hurt when you have to go to another school. Did I make the wrong school? Did I make the wrong choice? All these things. But remember this, God never wastes a hurt. So all of those things, sometimes he uses it to guide you, to give you the direction. Remember Genesis 50? This is the story of Joseph. You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what's being done right now. The saving of many lives. There is a bigger purpose for you in this room there's a bigger purpose for your life. Even the struggles, even the pain, even the hurt, there's bigger purposes for all that. God doesn't waste it. And I have to end with this. Because bigger than football are your life choices. Bigger than a win or a loss is really who you are and what you represent. And I can't help but recognize my boy, Dak Prescott. Many of you don't really pay attention. You just watch football for entertainment, but you don't really get it. You don't really do it. I understand because it's kind of so much going on. You're like, whatever, I don't really care about this. But if you don't know what this little statue is over the corner, it's called the Walter Payton Man of the Year. And you go, well, what's the Walter Payton Man of the Year? Well, it's all about what you do off the field, not what you do on the field. Because it's no secret, we're not in the Super Bowl. We don't need to be reminded. We know. And I promise you, you don't need to remind Dak Prescott that it was because he threw a couple of interceptions. We know. But what we also know is, is it's not about just football. It's way bigger than that. And I pulled this video because what I want you to see is in the midst of all the adversity and the struggle and the difficulty, God really can do something that leads to pointing you in a different direction that is bigger than just what you think it's about at the time. There's a bigger purpose. There's a bigger plan and that plan always involves other people. Yes, it involves God. Yes, it involves that relationship. But when you're talking to him and you're focused on him, it will always involve other people. And we cannot do it by ourselves. And if you need proof, here's one last video. Watch. What is your story? Getting used to the heat, but uh, we had a great practice, I think. <laughs> <laughs> Why are you the way you are? Back this Jerry Jones and you're a Dallas Cowboy. For Rain Dakota Prescott, the story begins as a biracial child growing up in a trailer parked among the pines east of Shreveport, the youngest of Peggy Prescott's three football-crazed boys. Times were far from easy. It was poverty in a sense. For me to say it was a struggle, I would be discrediting my mom and my brothers. I think if you asked any of us, did we ever need, never, never, that's how selfless and that's the person my mom was. Mississippi State would come calling and look like a very promising chapter. But then, two words, mother, cancer. By her wishes, Dax soldiered on. Early in his sophomore season, he was the starter. Two months later, she was gone. Dak Prescott, the touchdown! Look ahead to the NFL draft. It's going to be a lot of hard work. Just continue to get better in every aspect. Peggy knew overcoming adversity could lead her son to greatness. She told him, allow me to be your motivation, your inspiration. Let me be your story. I remember her telling me, all greats have a story. Now it's up to me for her to live through me. That call to arms became a foundation with a focus on cancer research and funding patient welfare. My nonprofit is Faith, Fight, Finish. Our mission is empowering individuals, families, and communities to create strength through adversity. Faith, Fight, Finish came into our lives and helped. I still can't believe that I'm going to start crying. Lives were saved, stories rewritten. 
But sometimes tragedy begets tragedy. In 2020, Dak's brother Jace, the rock at Peggy's side for her painful descent, took his own life. You can't even put into words the burden. I mean, it's something only Jace knew. He didn't know how to share it. He didn't know how to, to be vulnerable about it. A difficult truth was laid bare for Dak, but he shared his pain, telling all who would listen that being vulnerable is okay. Our adversity, our struggles, what we go through is always gonna be too much for ourselves. It may be too much for even one or two people, but never, never too much for a community, for the people and the family that you love. I've made a promise that his life will be one taken to save millions. Starting in July, there'll be a new three-digit number for the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. Our curriculum encourages adults to reach out to young people struggling with their mental health. One man helping many turn difficult pages and add chapters to their lives, telling those who carry unbelievable burdens, let me be your story. Not holding those feelings in. I think it's huge. I think it's huge to talk. I think it's huge to get help, and it saves lives. I'm just showing people how to express their adversity to be allowed to become their strength. I know my mom, that's what she would want. Come on, y'all, put it together for him one time. <laughs> the thing I'd like to point out is Dak Prescott could not do it by himself. There's teachers, there's coaches, there's friends, there's family. There's a lot of people that have supported him and encouraged him and helped him. And now he's turning around and doing that for a lot of people that cannot do it by themselves. You cannot do it by yourself. None of us can do it by ourselves. And you're not here by accident today. Regrets are inevitable, but they are also forgivable. And just like Dak Prescott, they can be directional. They can help lead you into your purpose, into your cause, into things that are a way bigger story than you ever possibly thought could be written. Way bigger than just a Super Bowl trophy. We're talking about eternity. We're talking about friendships. We're talking about relationships. We're talking about people. And I don't believe you're here by accident. Today's message is for us. It's for you.